0: Welcome to the First Cut Podcast WGC Mexico Round 2 Recap and look ahead to the weekend. And to do that, I've assembled quite the squad. I'll bring them in individually. First off, my Tuesday buddy, Greg Ducharme. Welcome, Greg. News team, assemble. <laughs> okay, here we are. <laughs> here Good we stuff. are. Uh, this is an exciting one. And coming all the way from Mexico, Ola, Mark Emmelman. Hello, sir. <laughs>
1: Bienvenidos amigos. How are we doing over there?
0: <laughs> we're doing good. We are excited to get your, uh, your insight from the scene. So let's, let's jump right into this because I, uh, we were kind of talking before we went live. You know, the course seems like, to me, it seems very noisy. Like there's a lot going on. You mentioned the crowds. Just kind of give us what you're seeing out there at Chapultepec this week.
1: Well, Chapultepec is just a, it's a spectacular golf course. I love the place. Um, there's a lot of elevation movement up and downhill. You travel downhill for a while, and you come back up. And I've got to tell you, as an on-course rover, that walk back up the hill at almost 8,000 feet above sea level—that's taxing. Um, but the course is great. The holes are tree-lined. They move in both directions. Uh, once you got the ball in play off the tee, you know, just finding the fairway is not one—is not the job done because it's kind of like colonial in spots where you can drive the ball in the fairway, but then you're hemmed uh, in by these trees that flank the sides of the fairways, and you might not have a direct line to the greens. Greens have got a lot of movement, a lot of undulation. If you're above the uh, flag on some of these hall locations, you're playing defense. And i just got to tell you, I mean, Me- Mexico City turned out en masse for this thing. The people are great. The fans are awesome. Uh, they love theirs. I mean, they are in behind Abe Answer like he is the second coming. But it's cool to see, and and they've raised a lot of money here through this event over the last few seasons for the development of junior golf. And so for me, that's heartening. So it's an event that I circle on the calendar, and and, and there's a reason why I ask PGA Tour Live for the gig, because I love coming down here, and it's a super event.
0: Yeah, it's it's off to a roaring start, uh, absolutely, Greg. And and what Mark mentioned is something that we actually talked about on Tuesday, which is not only hitting the fairway, but hitting the correct side of the fairway, and how important it's going to be, you know, off the tee to position yourself accordingly. Is this tournament
2: so far kind of playing out how you would imagine through 36 holes? Absolutely. If, if you look, there's kind of a wide range of scores here. It looks the golf course looks like it's playing extremely difficult for a group of players out there, and then. There's a group of guys that kind of have it figured out. You look at a Bryson DeChambeau, a Justin Thomas, uh, Patrick Reed, and Eric Van Ruin here, who, who seem to have some things going in their favor. But the moral of the story is, if you get the ball in position off the tee, and in position doesn't necessarily just mean the fairway, then you can attack some of these hole locations. The greens appear to be um, they, they appear to be fast if you're going downhill, but a rather comfortable speed. And you can have a putting round like Bryson has had and like Patrick Reed has had, where you can putt fairly aggressively in some spots if your ball's in the right position, but, uh you know, without a lot of fear of three putts. So it, it's definitely uh, appears to be a positional golf course. It's been interesting hey, to
1: see. Greg, say it with me. Fun Royan. Fun Royan. Fun Royan. That's How's a perfect that? job. Okay, I learned. <laughs> we got that cleared up good. I'm just going to call him
0: EVR for the rest of the way. Um so Mark, I want to throw this back to you because what we saw in round 1 was Chapultepec play combined 100 strokes over par. Mm-hmm. Then today, 52 under par. Uh, obviously something changed. Did you what was it that made this course much more gettable today? Uh
1: two things. Uh, Hole locations today were a little easier in my opinion. Um if you were playing from the fairway, you could attack them because A lot of these greens have little shelves and plateaus and such, and if you're coming in here with a bit of a crosswind or a ball that's spinning, it's next to impossible to keep the ball on these narrow areas. And then yesterday, the wind was blustery. It was gusting up to like 10, 15 at times, and and it swirls around between these hardwoods. So making the right call club-wise and then trajectory-wise is difficult, and then you couple that with – some of these tough hole locations, getting the ball in there close was difficult. And then with the wind and the sunshine, I mean, we've had very little cloud cover. The surfaces just dry out so fast. And as we know, Poirineo greens, uh, it starts growing at a different speed. So you have balls bumping around the place. And, and putting is a challenge here, kind of like Riviera. Today, the winds were light. Hole locations were accessible. Um, and – and it was easy to pick clubs. And so as a result, I mean, I was on the Justin Thomas Sadeki Matsuyama group. These guys were hitting a number of wedges into greens. I caught up with JT afterwards and, and just asked him because he just bludgeoned driver the entire day and just had a number of wedges to these targets. And and he said, look, uh, I'm going to stick by the driver, and if I'm wedging it in their tights, I've got a chance to score. And that's exactly what most of the guys did today.
0: Yeah, the, the JT Hideki group, uh, you must have saw a million birdies out there today. Um, it was cl- quite the assault on the leaderboard. So let's start with this at the top. Bryson DeChambeau, 11 under par. He is going to have the solo lead heading into the third round of this event. He goes out and shoots a 63 today. Greg, you mentioned it, uh, really relied on the putter a lot, but I mean, that happens when you're going to go out there and roll everything in, but Bryson is someone that we talked about on Tuesday. Bryson is the guy that I told you on Tuesday. He's the only guy that I bet so far. So clearly I've got an invested rooting interest in Bryson for the final two days. Uh, what did you see out of him that was, uh, so
2: impressive? Cause I think it was almost everything. I'll tell you what, it, it, he's smiling a lot, which sure. I really yeah. like to see. He, he's just, he's happy to be out there, which is, uh, it, which is very cool to see. So I think his attitude is in the right place. He has been, under, uh, I wouldn't say under fire, but he's been getting a lot of questions about his uh, kind of bulking up. What's it do to his game? Is it going to be a benefit? And we've all been wondering how long it would take for him to kind of get his game under control. And when you go up here to altitude, it's kind of an interesting thing. And Mark, I want to get your thoughts on this. When you talk about distance control up here, is this simply a math problem or is this something that you got to feel out? Because it would seem like, if there was anybody on the PGA Tour that would be able to figure out the riddle of distance control, it'd be Bryson because it's a, because of the math problem. But with all the speed that he's gained, you wonder if he has the feel element. Which do you think this week is more important?
1: Um, well, he has had the benefit of the folks from Flatscope coming on board with him and Flatscope has a, an app to their launch monitor called the Environmental Optimizer. And you can set air density in there. You can set wind directions. You can set altitude. You basically, all of the nine variables he talks about, except for ground conditions, you can punch that stuff in there, and then you hit a ball wherever you are, and it projects what the thing's going to do. So a lot of these guys are kind of charting exactly how the golf ball is going to go, and then they're just playing by numbers. It's basically math from there. But you still got to be able to create shots a little bit I didn't, to be honest with you, see any of these round and, and I was marginally surprised given that he's only played this golf course one time before and finished kind of down the pack a little bit. And to me, there's a little bit of a conundrum to this place. I mean, the more you've played it, the more you can figure it out and you sort of, you know, when to attack and when to defend. But he, he knows his distances. He knows what the golf ball's doing. He's clearly comfortable with his golf swing and, and, and if you're making putts on these greens, you've got the leg up on the competition because I, I feel like that is where this tournament's won and lost. The year Dustin's won a couple of times, he's putted great. And when Phil one year a few seasons ago, he made putts from all over the show. I, everyone makes a big deal about the altitude, as you should, but it becomes a wedging and a putting contest in the end, really, for me.
0: Mark, can you steal me one of those putter lasers that he's using out there? I think I need (laughs) one of those.
1: (laughs) I was standing right next to him on the range, and he had his headset in. He had his focus band around his head. He had, like, three uh, launch monitors and stuff there. And I was was afraid I was going to get electrocuted if I got (laughs) too (laughs) close.
0: Yeah, he he, he better hope he doesn't get caught in a rainstorm. Um, All right, we've got two tied for second. Mark, let's go right back to you here because we've got – a birthday boy, the 30-year-old South African, Eric Funruin. How was that? Very good. All Very right, nice. thank you. Shooting the round of the day, a 62-9-under. Uh This was absolutely spectacular. I mean, I guess for the public that might not be as familiar with EVR as, as you or as, you know, more people who watch these WGCs and watch the European tour, what should we know about this guy?
1: Well, he's a sweet swinger, he's a hardworking guy, um, as an amateur golfer in South Africa, he was never the tip of the spear. Uh, and so, you know, he sort of came up underneath the radar, son, got a golf scholarship to Minnesota. You know, for, we all, all of us know over yeah, here, that's probably not the best place to go and play college golf with respect to Tom Lehman and a few guys up there, but, but you know, that sort of spoke to who he was as a player. Won only really one big event as an amateur in South Africa, and then won the i think it was the Minnesota State Amateur when he was in college—and sort of unheralded. But he's a grafter, and he's got a good technique and a fantastic attitude, and he's a big, burly, sort of a strong guy, and and he hits it flush. And he's come up through the ranks. I mean, he played the Challenge Tour in Europe, earned his way onto the European Tour, has won in South Africa, and so he's basically going to. What he's basically done is just kind of crafted his skill and, and crafted who he is as a player through the ranks on the world's game. And now he's at the highest stage and, and he's proving to people and himself that he can go. And i got to tell you, he's contended in some big events before. I mean, he nearly won that Turkish Airlines Open, which is a big event in Europe. And, and he's the, got the kind of game, the way he hits it, that when the conditions get a bit challenging, he'll show up. Today, yeah. 62, was an outlier, uh, but, but man, he, he's an impressive young golfer.
0: Yeah, and he stole the uh Scandinavian invitation from when you know when Matthew Fitzpatrick and Henrik Stenson go over there and they're supposed to win that. Uh mm-hmm, yeah. he, he was the one raising the trophy on Sunday. Uh Greg, it, this was a clean scorecard, uh 62. What we kind of always talk about a lot in in the stats is like, "Oh, you know what? He he rolled every putt in. This is unsustainable." Not really. I mean, he gained three shots on approach today. He was third best in the field. He gained nearly another two around the green. Sure, he gained a lot on the greens. But like, this was a pretty solid round. Do you have any expectations for him
2: now moving forward into Saturday and Sunday? I think this is a player, although I may not know how to pronounce his name, or I just learned how to. uh, I, I can tell you, I listened to him in his interview after the round and it was quite impressive. He mentioned how he was doing all the right things off of the golf course. He was getting himself into into shape, working really hard, playing really well, and just wasn't yet seeing results in tournament play, and uh, he kind of saw more of the same in his first round on Thursday. He shoots 39 on Thursday, and then next thing you know, he chips in on number one, and uh, he rattles off three straight 31s for nine holes, so that's pretty good, and there's there's a, a feeling of confidence from him that I, I think he's a player that truly believes in himself beyond what anybody else may think. He, he's kind of that name up there. When you look at a Bryson DeChambeau, a Patrick Reed, Hideki Matsuyama, Justin Thomas, don't forget about Rory McElroy. Those are the kind of, that's the group of players that have separated themselves from the field at this point. His name is the one that stands out as one you may not know, but in his mind, he seems to be a player who truly believes in himself and as you mentioned, I think you, you look at his statistical breakdown, and it does appear to be somewhat sustainable. Will we see a 62 again tomorrow? I highly doubt it. But I, I do believe he's a player who, uh, who knows he can remain in contention and, and give himself a chance to win on Sunday. Okay, He's
1: hard-scrabble hard yeah. enough. I just want to say to what Greg said. He's got that blue-collar thing about him, and he's hard-scrabble enough that he's come up tough. And, and I don't see him going away over the weekend. Yes, the moment's going to be big and this will clearly be the biggest win of his career if he happens to hang on for 36 holes. But, but he, he will, he will not capitulate. That I will lay my bottom dollar on. I hey, do
2: actually, you think, uh, both to, to both of you, if Bryson DeChambeau wins this, do you think this is the biggest win of his career? Yes.
1: Yeah. It has to be right. It's, yeah. I mean, it's a world golf championships events, yeah. event. It's 550 FedEx cup points. It's, and all the accolades go alongside it. So, um yeah, I, I definitely think so. I mean, you look at the list of folks that have won these World Golf Championships events, and, and they're the glitterati of the game. So, yeah, I would say so.
0: Yeah, his uh, his other wins would have been, you know, playoff events, right? Would have been. Yeah, back to back playoff wins. Right. Um, okay. So let's, let's, let's talk about Patrick Reed who's currently tied for second. He's one shot off the lead. He goes out and shoots a 63 today. Uh, Mark, this was another week where the whole Patrick Reed improving the lie thing, it it gets dug up again. And just like the last time this, this storyline came up, Patrick Reed finds him, finds himself at the top of another leaderboard. He just eats this up being the villain,
1: right? Yeah, look, it speaks to the guy's mental toughness and, and sadly for Patrick, this thing's going to follow him. It's going to be his shadow for the rest of his career. You know, once in a a situation like this has happened, you, you got to, I mean, it's got to be miraculous for it to kind of leave you because a bunch of folks have got access access to grind with him. But the one thing he's able to do. He just, he circles the wagons. He and Kevin Kirk, his coach and his wife and his team, Kessler Corain and the, the group, they just pull it in tight and he just gets busy and he plays well with a chip on his shoulder. He's wins that he's had. He's won in Durrell in a, in a big event. Um, you know, and, and he can deal with adversity. It's uncanny, his skill and it's something that one can't measure, but you know, this stuff happens and it just sort of gets him going a little bit more. It's, it's crazy for me to 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 see into and, uh, and certainly to to try and understand because I can't
0: yeah absolutely Uh Greg now this is the guy you know he gains nearly five and a half strokes putting today that is by far the best round that I have on file for him which is 240 something rounds he only has three other rounds of four plus strokes gained T- talk me through what you saw from Patrick
2: Reed and how sustainable this might be over the course of the next two days Patrick Reed's the anomaly. There's nothing – you can look at the statistics all you want with him. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. I, I don't know what you can – I mean, yeah, he putted great. Okay, well, he did that too at the Century Tournament of Champions. We sat here on Friday during the Century Tournament of Champions and said, he, well, he just he's putting so well, he, he can't hang on to this. It's not going to happen. It's the most volatile stat. It went on and on and on. And there's what I've learned with Patrick Reed is uh, it, it, the statistics don't really matter. They don't tell the story. Patrick Reed, to me, and bear with me on this one, he's like a, a can of Coke. And he's just, every time he gets shaken up, he finds a way to open the can and, and explode. And he, he uses it to, as energy. He uses it as fuel. Uh, and it's a difficult thing to do. And many players would likely fold under the scrutiny and fold under the pressure. But he uses it. And it's getting to the point now where it seems like he needs it. it it's something that if he's not on the on the front page, if he's not in the headlines, well, we don't really hear a lot about him, but when we hear him about him in the headlines, which are negative now and will likely, uh, unfortunately for him, be negative throughout the rest of his career, uh, he, he steps up and performs. So is it s- s- sustainable? Well, no, not from a, <laughs> an analytics perspective, but looking beyond those numbers, yes, because he's fueled by something. And if it's not the putter, if the putter doesn't respond the same way that it did today, which is likely, his his driving game, his iron game, his tee to green play, or his short game will step up and back him up. This is a guy determined to get it done this week, and uh, you, you definitely can't rule him out.
1: He, The the one thing about Reed, and you guys can help me with the numbers, I've called him a lot. I've actually called three of his victories, and so I've seen him play under pressure. And he's got that – I'm not going to back down thing to your point. But there are a lot of wedges that are being hit here this week. And the wedge game, in my opinion, is the tip of his spear. I mean, this is the, the, the weapon in his arsenal. And if you give Patrick Reed a wedge, he's almost peerless. And and so I think the golf course, the way the ball's traveling up here, sort of sets up for what he does well right now. And so I feel like 62 was whatever it was today. It was, was sort of on the cards. And, and if he gets the ball in play and gets himself a few more wedges, when he's got the bit between his teeth, he's going to be a tough out.
0: Yeah, certainly. And there is no shortage of chasers in this field. So I want to get to Rory, but real quick, Mark, I mean, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about JT and Hideki, Hideki, who you followed today, both of them sitting at nine under par. Hideki goes out and shoots a 64. Justin Thomas shoots a 66. These guys were putting on a, a clinic out there.
1: It was so much fun to watch, and there were contrasting styles, which made it fun for me as an instructor and an announcer out there. First off, you had Justin Thomas, who got involved and just hit driver on basically every hole bar two, one of them the first hole, which he was able to get to the green with a three-wood. And so he sort of bludgeoned his way around the golf course, and 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 he was torrid at one stage through the middle of the round. He made a few birdies on the spin and then the eagle on his tenth hole. And then he dropped the anchor some and didn't make a birdie on the five and made a disappointing bogey late after I think he he made a bad call there on his penultimate hole where he could have hooked a short iron around the trees and get it to the green. But he tried to convince Jimmy Johnson he was going to go up and over these hardwoods, and it didn't work out. So it was a lesson to be learned, and Jimmy Johnson said to me, he goes, I'm prepared to let JT make those mistakes because that's how he's going to learn further. And so this is a savvy – Veteran caddy who's a former professional who knows the comings and the goings and is going to let his charge run a little bit. So it was fun to watch JT play. He says he feels comfortable with his golf swing, which is always good, and he putted nicely. Uh, In contrast to that, Hideki was – the guy was clinical, man. His warm-up, I watched him. It was hit – everything was hit on the button. They were high. They were low. Fades draws on command. And he looked like he had it all going on. And then he took that to the course, and he was defensive on certain holes off the tee, and then he was aggressive on certain holes. But the one thing he did do when he had a defensive posture about him was he still made really convinced, very aggressive-looking golf swings. So there was never any tiptoeing around the joints. He was in complete command the entire time. And to be honest with you, that round, I mean, it was the easiest 60-whatever-it-was-that-I've-ever-seen. I mean, it's... He missed a few bets for that score.
0: It was a, it was a 64. He bogeyed two of his last three holes. But yeah, from what we could see on television, it, his distance control was absolutely oh, perfect all day. It was unbelievable. Uh, and then just three shots off the lead, Greg, is the number one player in the world, Rory McElroy, who I think is actually such an interesting story because he shoots out, shoots a 65 on Thursday in the opening round. Uh, by the time he teed off, I think he was one shot back. I think JT had already clipped him by the time, uh, he, he hit his tee shot on number, I think he teed off on 10 today. And then he goes out and kind of just, just stalls out, right? He's one over through 11 holes, Greg. And you're like, Oh my gosh, this could be like disaster Rory. And then I just think it is so impressive that he's able to finish up. Making, you know, four birdies in his last, I don't know, six holes, get in two under par. That's the type of like, if that's Rory's bad rounds this week, he's going to win the golf tournament.
2: He, he shows why he's the number one player in the world. This is exactly how you become the number one player in the world. When a round starts slow, when the putter betrays you the way that it did for a Rory McElroy, well, what do you do to answer? What does he do? Well, he birdies three of the last four holes. He just finds a way to get it done. He buys his time and it's almost like the adage, hey, cream rises to the top and the longer the round is, the, well, the more likely it is that that uh, cream is going to rise. And that's what you see with Rory McElroy. It's almost like he, you, you wish there were more holes for that round because I, I believe that it would have just kept on going. He would have kept on making birdies it's just a matter of finding your time and if if you look at this tournament as a 74 hole stretch if you have an eight par streak in the middle of a of a of a um of a tournament like that it's not necessarily a bad thing so the fact that he makes a bogey at number 9 well you're 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 going to make a couple of bogeys throughout the week so you kind of you take the order of of which these things happen out and you say okay hey uh, 200 par round here You shoot one of those scores, you shoot 69, four rounds in the 60s, especially when one of them is a 66, you're going to be in pretty good shape. So uh, I think Rory's definitely a guy to fear, especially when he plays a round where he gets in in 69 and the putter betrays him the way he did. Uh, He did lose strokes to the field putting today, um, in, and he still finds himself seventh in strokes game putting for the week after a great putting round uh, on on Thursday. But I think the putting will kind of normalize itself a little bit throughout the week, and you know Rory's going to be a part of the conversation.
0: So, so Mark, I'm going to let you put a bow on this real quick here because I, like Greg, I kind of look at a lot of scorecards and I'm like, ah, put him in any order that you want. He made his four or five birdies. He made his whatever. I'm not sure all golfers necessarily feel that way. And I like describe to me the relief that Rory probably had on twelve when he makes his first birdie and he raises his arms up like this, like, okay, this weight has been lifted off my shoulders.
1: Yeah, you know, every shot has the same value, but not every shot is the same. And every fourth, not every four footer is the same kind of thing. <laughs> and, and that, that birdie was crucial because it sort of broke the seal some. And then those last few birdies he makes on 16 and 17. I mean, 16 playing uphill into the sunshine to get it to that back plateau there was a heck of a strike and it was right over the flag. And then to make one on 17, I, those two for me, I feel like, turned a losing day into a winning day for Rory McElroy. It's almost like, you know, in the Ryder Cup when the Euros, they were down four points going to the final day at Medina, but they were acting like they had the lead just because of the way the momentum had swung in their favor. Moment, he turned momentum in his favor late this afternoon. And if this was a marathon, man, he just ran a bad leg. But, but he's still part of the mix. The dude's on the inside rail, and he still looks like Secretary. Trust me. He's going to be okay, especially after that quick finish.
0: Yeah, that, that's like stealing a half a point and being like, okay, I, I, I live to fight another day tomorrow. Um, all right, gentlemen, here's what I want to do. I want to talk about uh, the weekend and looking forward to that. But first, let's take a break and hear a word from our sponsors.
3: Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash cbssports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash cbssports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands.
0: And we're back. All right, gentlemen, so here's what we've got. We've got six golfers within three shots of the lead. So that's uh Bryson, it's EVR, it's Reed, it's Hideki, it's JT, and it's Rory. And then there is a three-shot gap between the rest of the field. So our buddies over at Data Golf, when they try to do the live probability of who's going to win this golf tournament, it is a beautifully, almost evenly dispersed, like 15% between all of those guys at the top. So Greg, let's start with you. Is there anyone in particular out of this, um, I don't, I guess it's not called the Peloton. What is it called in the Tour de France? The Peloton is a, a breakaway. It's a breakaway. Okay. The breakaway group.
2: Okay. Who, who out of the breakaway group here, uh, peaks your interest the most? Justin Thomas is the guy that stands out to me. Rory definitely is interesting as well, but there's a difference here. When you, when you look at some of these numbers, I know you'll love this, Mark. You, you look at Justin Thomas who leads and strokes gain off the tee. Well, that's, he's, he's a good driver of the ball. Don't get me wrong, but that's not the strength of his game. When I look at Justin Thomas and assess his abilities, to me, aside from Tiger Woods, he's the best iron player in the game and the wedge play. Not now, have necessarily you talked
1: really, what You said you think uh-huh. that?
2: Well, I, I think Rory's probably right up there with the driving of the ball. I, I do think Justin Thomas is a better iron player than Rory McIlroy, and I would I, I would ask him about that. I, I'd probably be a little more nervous if I was face to face with Rory. Don't get me wrong, but if Brooks kept me, I would not say that to Brooks. Nah, you yeah, that
1: would that would be bad. I would
2: it's... I would run away. I don't know if I could get a word out in front of Brooks, but Justin to me stands out with his iron play. And right now, you're seeing. Uh That iron play, and it's mostly wedge play, don't get me wrong, but it, it's not standing out. It's not what's carrying him right now. So when when you look at a player like that, he, he's fairly well balanced throughout his numbers, throughout his game, driving it very well, playing very aggressively, which is a style that has worked at a golf course like this. He has a great course history here, um, and I, I think there's a lot of confidence. I think he definitely... Got the driver straightened out after last week's miscut at Riviera. And uh, it was something I I kind of figured would happen. But he gets the wedges dialed in. He's an excellent wedge player. He gets the iron play dialed in a little bit. And I think he could really tear it up this weekend.
0: So I look at this kind of in the same lens as you, Greg, and I say, let me see the numbers. And I see that Hideki is lapping these guys in strokes gained approach. He's gained over six of them. Uh Everybody else in this breakaway group, as we're calling it, has gained at least three strokes putting. Now Hideki's not a very good putter historically, but gaining less than a stroke on the greens. He catches two hot rounds with that flat stick. Like, I just love him in a no-cut, guaranteed four-round, WGC-type format where it's like, go out and make as many birdies as possible. But um, the,
2: the assumption here, Rick, is that he's gonna that that he has those two hot putting rounds in him, and he, I, might, I, he could have one. I, I don't know if Hideki can have two really hot putting rounds. I I, just, might, I don't think he's that good. They
0: might the not putters. need to be hot putters. They might need to be like very lukewarm putters. Right. I mean, he's two right. shots back.
1: Wait, wait. wait let, let, let me back you up a little bit here. He's, he's added a different style putter to the, the arsenal. Um, he used to use an answer style shape for most of his career, and, and he sort of battled to get the thing level to the ground to me, and the toe would be up, and the, uh, the yeah. stroke would have a bunch of arc about it, and, and, and the balls were never really struck real flush, where now he's got a, a similar hosel shape, similar face shape. But it's got like a, almost like a mallet style look to the back of it. And it looks heavier to me. I picked it up and it just looks like it's swinging smoother. And and I feel like he might have found something. And and you know, there's the, everyone, every, every win every week on the PGA tour, someone's caught lightning in a bottle. Even Rory McIlroy, even Dustin Johnson, even Tiger, things have gone your way. And, and, uh, you know, not that Hideki would be my pick. He was very impressive today. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he, he turned my head. But the way that, that putter is doing him big favors. And he, all, and, and what I think Hideki needs to do well is not three putt from outside 30 feet and then separate himself from inside six feet. And that's what he did well today. And, and so I, I honestly think that this putter is, 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 might be what he's been looking for all of these years.
2: I will say this, Rick. Um, Adam Scott was a player last week. On, on HQ, we had this discussion, and I was a little concerned. I said, "Hey, Adam Scott's going to face this question where he has to make a putt, and and that's going to determine whether he wins or loses." And he had the putt on 15 for bogey, and he had the putt for birdie on 17. And he answered the question two times. Is there a chance that that putter stands out for Hideki Matsuyama? Yes, but I will say, and I love the fact that he's got a new putter. I love the fact that he's got something new going on. But the thing to me, he's just burned me too many times, and I just – I can't <laughs> trust it at this point. He's going to have to prove me wrong for me to go, get back in because I'm a huge Hideki fan. But yeah. he's just he – bur- he burns me, and it breaks my heart. What I think is actually most
0: interesting here, Mark, is – okay, we're talking about all of these big names, and I know every golfer is going to uh, react to this a little bit differently, but you've got EVR, smack dab between – Bryson, Patrick Reed, Hideki Matsuyama, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy. If I were him, I'd be like, I've got nothing to lose here. I'm just going to go out, free swing this thing over the next two days and see what happens.
1: He's playing with house money of that, there's no doubt. Played the event last year and made $75,000. And for a young you know, upstart touring pro from Europe, that's a big deal. And And you get the sense that he's doing the same thing. When I caught up with him on the range before the round this morning, he looked awfully relaxed. And I got to tell you, there's something about a no-cut event where you guaranteed a check, especially <laughs> yeah. if you're not one of the, the 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 blue chippers off the PGA tour. And he looks like he's playing that way now. Yeah, that sphincter is going to tighten up on Saturday afternoon, and <laughs> even a little bit more so Sunday if he's in contention. And, and we'll see what he's made of then. But I, I feel like, to your point, he's playing with our money. Me personally, that would mean a lot. I'd love to see I love to see young South Africans come through. Um, but I. I I don't know why I didn't pick him in one and done because I'm a moron, but, I, but, but Rory is, he is the gold standard right now. I mean, he's, he plays poorly and he finished inside the top five. So that means if he plays poorly tomorrow, he'll still be in contention and all he needs to do is have one or two things go his way. That round he played on Thursday, man, that was freaking sublime. I saw every single shot because it was on our PGA tour live coverage and just, just the, the poise the elegance of it all, the decision-making, which is sometimes, I think, a place where Rory falls down. Um He's so talented that sometimes I think he hits shots that aren't on. But he, he backed down on one or two occasions, and he hit the smart shot. He was sort of tiger-esque in his approach. And if he does that, he'll keep himself in contention. And then, you know, the way this golf course sets up, you know, you've got, a, you've got three par fives, which he manhandled in round one, and a few of them are late in the tournament. And then you got holes like... Um, 16, sixteen, 18, when anything is likely to happen. So I, I, I still feel like Rory, if you're in front of him, you, you're in good shape.
2: You know, there's a, there, there's a line real quick here, Rick. There, there's a line. Uh, well, tomorrow, Saturday, is the anniversary of the 1980 U.S. Open Olympics, the miracle on ice. And Herb Brooks in the movie Miracle has this line where he talks to his team and he says, you think you're, you think you're good enough to win on talent alone? You think you can win on talent alone? You don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. Well, Rory McIlroy is kind of like the Russians in that movie where he is good (laughs) enough to win on talent alone. And so you, you look at him sitting there just three shots back and I mean, he's, he may as well be leading. He's definitely the favorite.
1: I want to tell you one other thing, because this is not a strokes gain metric thing for you boys. Um, Rory just (laughs) seems to have life in order. Okay. And and hear me out for just a minute. A colleague of mine who does all the features for PGA tour.com Rory has become a voracious reader, and he reads all sorts of stuff. He's got this app on his phone, which basically blocks all useless information that comes through, so he's off, you know, the the guy's sort of getting his life in order. He's got his priorities straight, he's got golf in its place in his life, it's not defining who he is, golf is just what he does kind of thing, so he's doing the off-course stuff well. But the guys from PGATour.com, Cameron Morfitt in fact, who writes for them, found out that Rory loves reading. So they approached him, and then I said to him, Rory, we're going to bring you some books. We want you to review them. So at 9 a.m. this morning before the second round, Rory hooked up with these guys and basically did a book review with these guys. Now, does that, that to me tells me that this dude is so freaking chill right now. He is he's so comfortable with who he is. And if you're comfortable with who you are, there's this weird sort of a connection to your golf swing. And that's what I'm seeing in the guy's game right now. There's not this I'm playing fearfully. He's, he's not playing dumb, but he's playing with a freedom right now, which I don't. he had when he was young because he was just this generational talent. Now he's matured, and, and he's coming into his own. And, and just that interaction where he was in the locker room reviewing books and then said to them, hey, let's do this again in the future. This just talks to a different Rory McIlroy to me.
0: I, I love it. That strokes gained home life is what yeah. that is. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's do the quick one-and-done update here now. No, uh, to- it's not. Uh, Hold on. I want to pull back the curtain just a little bit on this. And, And Greg, you know this, right? So uh, we do these with a general outline and then we see where the conversation goes. And producer Jacob puts together that outline. Now, I noticed today, Greg. That the very first thing that got into this outline was the one and done update because producer Jacob is sitting on Bryson Deschambeau at the top. What do you think about this
1: that? This is the this is the outline that I haven't seen for Correct. about <laughs> time in the last 11 podcasts. That's,
2: that's why I asked Greg about it because I knew you yeah. hadn't seen it. <laughs> it's funny. This one today I decided not to look at. Uh, well, so. It was a it was a great, obviously a quite an impressive pick, Um and it's interesting. There were a lot of big names that were picked this week, including myself picking John Rahm. A lot of Rory guys this week, and in in a non-cut event, it's nice to pick a guy like that because you know that he's not going to miss the cut. So you're not going to get what uh, Rick got, which I love to bring up, which is the Justin Rose at Tory Pines. Right? You, you, you pick right. Justin Rose and you miss the cut. It's it's so disappointing, and it it, it just breaks your heart. Well, producer Jacob goes out on a limb here and takes bulk it up, bulk it up Bryson. And here he is leading the way through 36 holes. It's impressive. And he looks good. He's not doing it with just distance, although he is hitting it a long way. He's doing it with the putter. His short game looks to be improving this year so far. Uh, it, he, I tell you what, he is surprising me in a, uh, a pleasant way. I gave, bryson a year at the beginning of the year i said i'm going to give him a whole year i don't know i don't care what happens whether it's good or bad we'll see where he is 12 months down the road i'm i'm still in that light but i'm pleasantly surprised with what i'm seeing the past two weeks out of him
1: i'll tell you what bryson's a closer I'd, i'd like to see what his conversion rate is but you know from my memory which at 49 years old is beginning to fail me a little bit when he's been in contention through 54 holes he doesn't go away. He can uh, he win. Is, yeah, he's a, he's a winner. And, 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 and I commend Jake. I mean, Bryson's record at this tournament has not been very good. And he came in here yeah, playing okay. And, uh, look at him now. I mean, it, but that just shows you that's, that's what golf is. And that's why I love the, this one and done league. And, and sometimes you can grab that proverbial lightning in a bottle, which is something I certainly haven't done in a while.
0: So Jacob certainly in the pole position. Uh myself Kyle Porter and Michael Kaiser are on Rory which I am just happy that that is just fine. We'll play the next 2 days and see what happens. Greg you mentioned that you took John Rom. Uh Eric K has Sergio and Mark. Uh oh man, how would you describe your pick of Dustin Johnson this week?
1: Well apparently it's desperate. All right, let's start over there. I mean that- <laughs> But if, I watched him play last week, and I'm like, okay, here we go. It's come, things are coming around. The driver's behaving. The iron player's getting there. Uh, Riviera's a tough test, and, and he hung around there for a while, and then he's coming back to a happy hunting ground. He's won twice here. And, and, and maybe I, it was romantic of me, but I was on site for this win of his last year, and I watched the dude. I mean, he won cantering across the finish line. Roy was making a run, but it really wasn't even that close. And so I was like, well, maybe this is when I turn it around. And I was thinking a little bit like Greg points out, Hey, no cuts, guaranteed points. You know, even if he does stumble some, he's, he's going to get himself probably inside the top 20. So I'll make it some decent, uh, well, I'm still thinking FedEx cup points, but I'll, I'll be doing okay. But my concern <laughs> is that Dustin after two rounds of 76, what's it, 76 and 71 or whatever it is, I don't think he's the one to pick himself up by the bootstraps tonight and go, well, let's go shoot 10 under on the weekend. I think he might have a margarita or two and go, well, whatever. It's just (laughs) – Yeah.
2: This is exactly what happened last week to to myself and Michael Kaiser with Bubba Watson. The stars were aligning at Riviera. He's the perfect guy to pick. He's playing well. Everything lines up. And – The the commonality between Bubba and Dustin is they definitely don't seem to be the guys that pick themselves up by the bootstraps. You know very soon whether it's going to be a good tournament or a bad one for those guys.
1: Well, one thing's for certain. I don't think there's going to be much hanging around, and he's just going to let it go. And so if a a few balls start going in, he might catch fire. But right now, from what I've seen so far, a a telling shot was on 17 this afternoon, short par 3. It's this beautiful wedge right over the top of the flag. Spins back there to about – what, four, four and a half, five feet above the hole? The dude doesn't even touch the hole from that range. And I was like, yowza. Yeah. So uh, it, uh, not, not holding out too much hope for a weekend spurt.
0: I think he might have used up all of his Mexico birdies last year. He should have saved some of them for this time around. All right, gentlemen, uh, that'll do it for this episode of The First Cut. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Tune in to our weekly HQ shows, which are awesome. We're making appearances over there. You can find them on YouTube. There's previews for tournaments and updates on CBS Sports HQ. I would like to thank Greg Ducharme. You can get him on Twitter, the Real GFD. I'd like to thank Mark Immelman, who you can find on Twitter. He is at Mark underscore Immelman. I'm Rick Gaiman. You can find me at Rick Run Good, and we'll talk to you next time.